welcome back to Dear Diary, the self-love podcast. I have a special guest today. I'm so excited to introduce this beautiful human that I have been blessed to have in my life. She came into my life at such a pivotal moment when I first began this self-love growth and healing journey and she's been such a pivotal part of my evolution on this journey it is the beautiful lindsay ruder she is my coach my friend my mentor my colleague she's a lot of things to me so i'm really excited to have her as my first guest and i think i'm going to title this is going to be there's going to be two parts to this so this is part one, stay tuned for part two, but we're gonna call this the Red Tent Roundtable because she's gonna be back and we have lots to talk about. And Red Tent is her coaching practice. And I'm obsessed with her and I hope you are, you fall in love with her just as much as I have. She has a lot to say. She has a lot of passion and wisdom behind her voice and all that she has to say. She's been a huge, huge part of my most recent journey and evolution, really teaching me to step into my power and look inward instead of outward, you know, because life is crazy. And the more that we get hooked onto external sources and peoples and energies and situations and stories, the more we lose ourselves, the more we lose our power, the more we give away our power to these situations. And then it leaves us feeling depleted and powerless and fearful and doubtful. And some would even say, you know, questioning our safety. So I'm really excited to have her on the show and I'm going to link all of her things in the show notes. Um, this is really cool. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this. So here we go. I wanted to do your bio for you. And in that process, I was like, oh my gosh, how do I, I can't even do my own bio. How am I going to do someone else's bio like justice, right? And then I was just like thinking back on a relationship. We, we met during such a transformational time in both of our lives and such a vulnerable moment in both of our lives. And I think having that strong foundation, we've kind of like bonded off of that. We've built off of that. I'm like, how do I do that justice? So we'll see. But this is Lindsay Ruder. She is the sweet, loving, and beautifully verbose light worker and medicine woman. She travels the world. She dances with mother nature. She is the most beautiful example of self-liberation and sisterhood that I could think of. She's not afraid to ask the hard questions. She is a garden of wisdom and loving beauty. She's a certified coach of integrative health and nutrition and a transformation guide and facilitator of sacred, sacred women's circles. 
She is the embodied voice of wisdom, courage, and compassion. And to me, she is the symbol of inner peace and wisdom and her beauty ripples outwards into the world and through the soil and the roots of this earth. She is the owner of the Red Tent Coaching and I am so grateful and so honored to be chatting with her about all the things that we're gonna talk about today. Mm. Thank you, Amanda. <clears throat> You're welcome. You're reminding me of the that phrase I see so often that's prompting us to see ourselves through the eyes of someone who loves us. Because boy, do I love to hear myself described through your, your eyes. Gives me so much to um, both aspire to and also to claim to get comfortable with acknowledging yeah beautiful thank you thank you ah oh, i adore mm -hmm. you okay so thank you for being my first ever first ever person to interview on the podcast. I started this podcast and I was like, I'm just going to solo riff and I'm just going to like do my thing. And I don't care if it makes sense. And I don't care if I, you know, contemplate my sentences correctly, or there's background noise or anything like that. And then as it sort of evolved, I'm like, oh, all of these guests that I can have, all of these women I can invite and all of these conversations. And you were the first one that came to mind. And so after we wrapped up our recent coaching adventure together I thought what a beautiful time like this is all fresh in both of our hearts and our minds and our souls and so I thought it was divine timing to have you on and talk with you about your experience coaching me um what came up for you during our sessions and just kind of what you received from the experience that we had together. But before we get into any of that, mm. I want to, and I'm so excited that I get to do this. I want to be the podcast that anytime they have a guest, they always ask a question, like the same question, every guest. Mm -hmm. And so that question for me here on the Dear Diary podcast is, what does self-love mean to you? Hmm. Self-love. Hmm. I'm trying to drop in to feel, to feel self-love so that I can answer that with some honesty. And I think that what self-love means to me is uh, very aligned with a, a theme for a lot of my journey as an adult, which is this search for home. And I have a lot I could say about that search, but one of the things that has really been unfolding loudly the last couple of years is that um, home is not a place and home is more of an experience, something that we can experience 
with our sensations, you know, with our bodies. There's so many layers to it. And when I'm in self-love, it's like I feel the ultimate expression of home. Because as I said, like home is, it's an experience. And I think the one that I named was probably born in my childhood, I'm guessing, right? And in the safest, most held moments, it's like to feel held, to feel safe, and to feel unconditionally loved, appreciated, okay? Like unconditional being is is what feels like love and now I name as home. So often for me, a lack of self-love, which can show up in a lot of really hard ways, when I recognize that, it's like, what is the thing that keeps me from feeling okay as I am, right? As opposed to a person experiencing self-love looks a certain way or is thriving in a certain way. And it's like, no, I think I can be my most loving towards self in my darkest shadows, in my hardest moments. And what a beautiful and courageous expression of love at that, at that time, right? So, so yeah, self-love is home. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that so deeply. Um, which is probably one of the many reasons why we share such a special bond because I did that course so long ago, it feels like forever ago called coming back home. And that's exactly what the theme was just coming back home to yourself, that feeling of safety and empowerment and a deeper knowing that you forgot after all these years, after, you know, all of the things you've been through and all of the things your mind tells you and your ego gets in the way of and society and conditioning and all of that, just coming back home. Yes. Yeah. There's so many influences at work on us, uh, suggesting that we outsource love, you know, that we, 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 um, source it from without. And I think like, my inability to experience love fully and in this like all-encompassing way I now understand is because I followed the directives I followed the influences and naturally that's what we do right we're malleable beings and so I I always thought that I would be loved if I was lovable so then my my task, you know, that I was charging myself with both consciously and mostly unconsciously was being lovable. And as we know, that's a near impossible task to succeed at because what is lovable is so different for so many people. So it's like, talk about reading the room, right? And and morphing and shifting and constantly accommodating outside dynamics. It's it's exhausting and, and feels impossible. And I would add another layer of um, insight to that that's more recent for me, which is that most people are so disconnected from their own love that it would be impossible for me to help them find 
find it by just being something specific, right? Or, or projecting onto them what I think they want me to be. It, it can actually lead to a lot of confusion for both parties. Like why, why can't I access the only thing that I'm working toward? And it's clear to me now it's, it's because it's not outsourced. It can't be outsourced. Um, when we, when we experience love with another, it's like that connection is like spotlighting the love that lives inside of us. It's not something something that comes from outside and is given to us, even though that's how we talk about it. I mean, we literally talk about love like it's a, it's a transaction. If you're worthy, you can receive it. If you're good at it, you can give it, right? For the right person, for the right thing. And it's like, no, like I am love. I'm literally made up of this amazing divine love. And the only reason I haven't always known that and, and acted from that place and, and lived from that place is because I forgot there was a lot of stuff on top of it, burying it, getting in the way. And so I think to experience that fullness of love for self and therefore to be able to do that and share it with others is, is to be in, in, um, in my fullness and, and to um, to welcome what is there, whatever I find there, to love that yes. um, in a way that I I couldn't expect the outside world to do for me. It has to be me. Um, I'm the best fit for the job. Absolutely, I love that you mentioned like welcoming whatever is there, right? Whatever's there, all the flavors. Yeah. Yeah. Part of that conditioning, it's like it, 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 we create ideas and, and story about what would make us lovable, what would make us good people, good partners, good parents. And, and then I think we project the ideas. We project that cerebral concept into our lives day after day. We, we chase it, you know, we work so hard for it. And, um, it's actually like what what love is and and what what love um is needed like how it is needed is is a truth that's only really available in the moment right so if we take this story we take the idea from the past and we keep dragging it with us you know it's just so much energy used uh in a way that it most of the time can't be fulfilling because it's not informed by what is could be informed by what was it could be informed by some illusion that we're, we're carrying um some kind of filter that we are seeing the world through that that we're stuck in you know yeah so we have to peel that back and and when we do that like what is there is typically not the picture of love that's been painted for us so it can be scary it can be really hard and it's like it doesn't feel like the entryway to love in the way that we've been told about love. So we run, we're like, well, this isn't it. This is hard. This is messy. This is makes people uncomfortable and they don't want to be around it. And it's like, yeah. And this is me in my fullness. These are all the parts of me that want to be loved. So maybe the world isn't ready yet, but I am, I can go there. I can be there in that discomfort, you know, and it's so worth it. 
it's so worth it every time because then when I step back into the world from that place, I don't need you to love me. I welcome you to. I, the love exchange is more free because it doesn't come from lack. It doesn't come from attachment, right? It's something that is, it belongs to me. It's my gift to share and, and, and also to receive from others when, when they have that. Um, because there's an infinite well, right? I mean, we're all love beings. We're all light beings. So it's like that, that to be able to uh, dedicate ourselves to access for us and therefore for others is like the most worthy endeavor, you know, that I could name. Um, and it's one that most people aren't talking about you know, aren't aware of, aren't, aren't comfortable talking about, aren't sure if it's like real, right. It's so different than what we know. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And we so often think of it as being selfish too. Yeah. I think it's a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. The way we ask ourselves and one another to um, self-deny is it's very um, fascinating when you really start to examine it more closely, because it's, it's like, if, if I can't invest in myself to fall in love with all of me, then how available could I possibly be for others? And, and how, how can my capacity for love be its fullest, right? If I can't even do it for me. And so it, it's like on the, on the external, on the superficial level, it's like, well, love looks like this. We do for others. We care for others. We give, give, give. And that's what it looks like. Well, I mean, we've all heard the, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. We know this, right? And yet we try over and over because that's the story of love that we've been shown. And I can definitely say with, with confidence, with clarity that when I, when I have a more full love for myself and acceptance for myself, the way that I show up in the world, it's like those, those reaching arms, those tethers that are like, I need love. I want love, right? Like they're not there. And yet the feedback that I receive is that the love feels so much more accessible than when I'm trying to do it. Than when I feel like I have to or I need to. And so I've gotten that affirmation enough times that it just feels very alive for me. Um, we're, we're past the point of theory now, you know, and I know for me, like I, I come from a, a lot of lack and I, I've had a long um, journey in this body. I mean, I, I say long, the majority of my journey in this body has been um, with a lack of confidence you know, a lot of insecurity and, um, there is, I can't even describe really that feeling of not needing, not craving and being so attached to what the world can give me to affirm me that even if it's just, you know, a minute or two of feeling myself whole and not needing it from anywhere else, it's, it's so magnificent it's it's such a it feels like liberation to me I mean I do I like that word 
And I aspire to that always. Now I don't live in that state. I certainly don't live in that state, but like I said, when I access it, when I, when I can be there, I know that's where I'm headed. And I know that that's where I need to be. Um, so that I don't have to manipulate the world to feel loved. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. It hasn't worked out so well to, to try to manipulate the world to access love. Yeah. It's exactly like what you said when, when you are look or we're searching for love in external sources, they are not often capable of even loving themselves or knowing how to love themselves. So how on earth would you think that they would know how to love you? It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And the same goes for us, right? For, for our loved ones. It's that age old cliche of like, you have to put your oxygen mask on first in order to save another human. You have to learn how to love yourself in order to really and truly know how to love another human. Right. Yeah, I, I did share this. I'm not sure if, if you have seen it, but, um, you know, Eisen, Eisen did a, um, a little talk the other day on social media about how it is not possible to save or fix someone and respect them at the same time. Mm. And before he said that statement, he said, I, I want you all to be prepared. You're going to be, most of you are going to be triggered by this. And he was absolutely right for me. And I've watched a couple of folks take in this, this video since then. And it's really hard. It's really hard because I think that most of us, and especially women, especially women, we identify as, as caretakers, we identify as nurturers, you know, we have this longing to be the great mother and, and to be this, this um, source of nourishment for our, our loved ones, for our tribe, right? And um, in, in that role of getting we'll call it just messy, right? So, so I can be an, a nurturing being. Um, but if that nurturing is only something that goes out, it's not something that I know how to do for myself, then it's fragmented. And usually when we get used to that lopsidedness, I'm used to it going out and not coming in. Well, there's going to be self-depletion, right? That becomes an unsustainable role to identify with. But the other thing that is is really clear to me now is that when I'm doing that, when it's become out of balance, I'm not doing it for me, I'm just trying to do it for the world around me. It's because I need something from them. I perceive that I need something from them. And the only way that I will get it is to help them see how to be that for me. So most of my selflessness that I have displayed in my life has actually been rooted in my deepest selfish needs, my lack, but I wasn't conscious of that. So I could tell myself a story. I could identify as a selfless person, someone who just cares about everyone else. I just want everyone else to be okay. Yeah. And it's like, that's, um, Well, and I use the word self-denial and I'd I'd love to actually stay here for a second because this feels really juicy to me right now. It's, it's like, 
if I, if I need you to be something for me and I'm like, well, I, I'm not going to be aware of that. Usually I'm just going to notice that you could be better. Like, oh, Amanda, I see her. She always does this thing. And I see these patterns. And if she could just be like this, you know, and I could help her. Right. So there's something about that that completely dis dishonors dishonors dis disempowers the people we want to help because it's like we we don't see their deepest desires we don't try to extract the deep the deepest aspects of them and bring them out to be in full fruition we stay with what we think it can be our limited perspective right and they are their greatest authority they know their deepest truth they know their deepest wounding. So it's like, if, if we if we just let it be our projection about what they need, then we've limited ourselves and we've limited them. And yeah. we've also bypassed the most effective way to make change, which is from within, <laughs> right? Uh, so sometimes we are motivated to change for other people. And I think that that can be noble, I think we all want it to be really noble. The thing is, it's like, if I can connect to my love for you and that motivates how I move through our dynamics and how I move through the world, then that can be a pure expression of love. And, and, and I can change things about myself or, or what I'm doing because I want to connect to that love more consistently. But that's really different, you know, than um changing because you think it's the only way to be lovable which yeah. you know hurts it hurts my heart to even say those words because they're they're too close to home and they're also um too common in our collective experience um and i know that uh, there's a psychological i'm not a psychologist but there is a psychological component to this because we it's actually easier on us, especially when we're children, to believe that we're not lovable and that, that there's something about us that we can change to be more lovable because that is way easier to accept, to literally like bring into our being than to, to think that someone doesn't love us. Like someone that, like a, a caretaker, you know, like an important figure in our life if we thought that they didn't love us, it, it could, it could just literally kill us, yeah. you know, kill our soul, like kill our little spirits. And so it's like our systems, our body, our nervous system is all trying to protect us. And yeah. so it translates that disconnect, that lack of love to, well, you just have to be different. And as soon as you do that, you'll have it, you'll have it, you'll have what you need. Um, and that's a strong force of, of, of nature, right? Because when our, when our nervous system gets involved, so it can be very, con you know, convincing that this is about survival. <laughs> this is about being okay or not. Um, so it can take a lot of really deep inner work to go in there and work with the nervous system and say, we've always been lovable. We've always been love. We have to remember now. Yeah. And when we don't feel it, that doesn't threaten our okayness. It may just mean that the, you know, the person, the dynamics around us, it's just not available. It's not there. So we source 
we self-source and we have to be able to, we have to be able to. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, it's like insert defense mechanisms. That is where they are born, right? Mm -hmm. Parts of us that we needed to change and mold and shift because our loved ones were, were not attuned to our needs or their needs for that matter. Right. And it's not blaming anybody, you know, um, but yeah, that's the, the breaking down of a defense mechanism and the remembering that we were actually perfect and, and the, the things that we thought we needed to change to receive love, they were just there to protect us and they're yes, not, they don't really belong to us. And think about how that plays out over time, because if we, if we keep you know, maneuvering and pivoting to be the thing that we think is lovable and, and we still don't access love because it's not available there or a person doesn't know how to open. They don't have the capacity and our capacity has not been exercised. So we, we can fail. And I'm putting that in quotations, right? But that's how it feels. And we fail to access love, then how detrimental to our sense of self. Like yeah. I'm doing everything I've given myself to loving and being loved by this person, by this world, and it's not working. What is wrong with me? Right. And so in that exact moment where we need to come back home, it, it's, it's so easy to swing the other way and just feel inadequate and just feel like reaching for more and more to make us lovable. Maybe if I was more beautiful, maybe if I was more successful, right? Maybe if I was funner to be around, you know, and, and now we're contorting, we're trying to be something that we're not, and we lose any semblance of, of, of connection to our authentic self that was there. And it gets yeah. buried even deeper, so um, it is a self-perpetuating cycle and, and it's a toughie, it's a tough yeah. one to break, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We lose our essence in that process. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I love that, uh, you know, I, I wavered back and forth. I'm like, is that really a cliche question to ask? But you answered it beautifully and it opened up um, some beautiful conversation of what it means to you um, to love yourself, but I think the collective can can agree and really resonate with, with this answer because we've all experienced it and we're all just trying to come back home. Well, first I'm giggling because I'm like, wait, did you ask me a question? <laughs> but yes, the self-love question, yes. <laughs> and actually, I think that's a beautiful one because I would love to hear anybody's response to that question. It really gives us an idea of where do we look to experience love? Yeah. We have a lot to learn about that right now because it has to change, right? Yeah. We've got, we've got a, I mean, we have so many crises on our hands collectively right now that I think it's safe to say that we're not thriving. We haven't got it all figured out. And there's absolutely an absence of love being expressed being being liberated for us all so um yeah it's it's time it's time to do it differently and i would i would love to hear where people are starting from so please keep asking that question good i absolutely will so my first official question for you 
and it's a super loaded one. So you can chunk it down as much or as little as you want. But I'm curious to know, I guess, uh, let me, hold on. Let me, let me backstory this. So I came to Lindsay in a moment, in a season of my life where I was, what I felt was like deep rooted in lack of control, lack of self-confidence, fight or flight. I don't know what to do. My relationship is crumbling. My, the safety and security of my being felt compromised. And I was like, hey, I need your help. Throw me a bone, throw me a lifeline, throw me a raft. I don't know what to do here. I am investing in my future and myself and my growth and healing. And I don't think I can handle it. And I don't feel safe where I'm at. And my environment feels like it's imploding on me. And I just need you to guide me through the woods so that I don't crash into a fucking tree. Mm. <laughs> and I feel that that was a pretty big ask. That was a pretty tall order, you know, like, hey, can you save me? <laughs> Basically. Um, and so, and, and you did a beautiful job. I will say that, but I'm curious to know what was your experience? Like when I came to you with this request of, Hey, my life is in the shitter and I need you to help me fix it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> that's a, that's fun. That's a fun question because I can remember the, the layers of response that I had. And it wasn't clean and, and simple, right? Um, so the first layer that I remember was I, I felt the magnitude of, well, like you're calling it your ask, right? It's like what you were presenting. I, I felt the magnitude of that. I knew it was big, um, which stands out to me. And I will also say that Typically, by the time someone comes to me and, and, and is ready to invest in themselves and invest in working with me, they usually are at the point where things do feel like they have that much magnitude, like they, they do have that much power to them and, and it's just time, like it has to be. Um, so I won't say that's uncommon, but it doesn't change the fact that it really, it, it, it has a flavor, you know, it's a, so I think that when I felt the magnitude, there's this automatic, and this, I think this is part of my conditioning. There's this automatic feeling of, I can't screw this up. I don't want to dishonor her in any way. This is a pivotal, this is a pivotal moment for her. I want, I want to um, offer her the, the best of me and the best of my coaching and what, what that wish inside of me, that, that thing that I'm like, this is, this is how, this is how we're going to navigate. This is from this place, like where that then led me to was to, oh, I'm not going to fix. I'm not going to solve. I'm not going to be responsible. I don't have an agenda. There's not a, a direction or a trajectory that I know right now I'm going to send her on. And now I just have to get her there. None of that is happening. Instead, I'm going, wow, this is so important. 
and she's the one she is the master of her life and she's the one who is going to tell us how this is going to go and i felt thrilled to be able to help pull that out of you help show you that with the understanding that i was going to learn as we went you were going to be showing me too i was just going to keep us on track i was going to keep us in integrity and give us the accountability right that we both needed to to navigate so much um you know like you said there's a lot of there's a lot of energies present and some of them were very uncomfortable you know you said lack of safety like that is not to be brushed aside like that is a that's a big experience to be having and um so yeah i think that i had that automatic knee jerk like whoa like we do anytime someone that we care about is um feels compromised right in some way and as soon as i felt that it was like a, a um green flag for me like oh well she's coming she's ready and i can't wait to see where she's ready to go so let's do this and uh and so we started you know and and you did like you led the journey you led the journey i just made sure we there was a journey like i just made sure like we weren't gonna we weren't gonna say eh, never mind this is too hard and like set it aside i changed um, my mind yeah because that happens mm -hmm. i mean you and i on a personal level share that all the time and we were just talking about that earlier today where it's like when we are only accountable to self like that requires vigilance it requires like a um uh longevity <laughs> you know yeah. a consistency and and a, and a level of awareness that it, it, most people would just opt for the one and done it's just easier um so i think a lot of the reasons we reach out to therapists and coaches and guides is because we we need that accountability we want to, we want to make sure, and we're not sure we can do it for ourselves. And that's legit. That's totally legit because if we've not been given any of these tools or resources to date, you know, and we've been here 30, 40, 50 years, like it's okay that we want a little bit of support while we're filling our, our tool belt, right? While we're learning how to practice these things and, and make them practical in our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like we do. We have all of these tools and we know all the things, right? Like I know, I know the things to do. I have the resources. I have the tools. However, the accountability for that and the, the knowing that I have somebody to act as a mirror for when I do get in my shit and mm -hmm. also a, a, a guide, a mentor, a, a leader to say, hey, I know this is hard and I know this is scary, but, but you're okay and you're going to be okay and you're doing it. And, you know, and even, yes, it's, it's good to have, you know, a coach for a situation like this where, you know, I'm in the shit and I need, and I need help out, but it's also a beautiful opportunity for when I, when I see myself out of it, for somebody to be there to celebrate with me, like you did, like, Hey, like you're, you're doing it. You know, you, you, you reached out. That's the first step. Yeah. You, know? you knew you couldn't do it alone. You didn't want to do it alone. Not that I couldn't do it alone. It's that I didn't want to do it alone. And I really wanted to 
resource my tools that I had already had in a really effectful and powerful way that I, that I wasn't able to do alone. Yeah. Yeah. I talk so much about perspective, right? Cause I always have this image of like, there's a circle and in the center of that circle is the thing in life that's presenting. Maybe it's a challenge or obstacle we're facing, you know, something that we're looking forward to or trying to create when we're standing on our on our circle somewhere and we're looking at the thing in the center, we have the perspective from that place. And most of the time what's missing when we're feeling stuck, when we, when we feel like we can't make the change that we're aspiring to is all that's needed is a shift in perspective because now we have new information. Now we have new um, resource to draw from, to make this change. And so like, for example, if someone was, I'm just going to make this up. I'm not using you here, but if I feel stagnant in my relationship, let's say, and I, I feel like some kind of creative change is needed. Like we have to mix this up. It's stale. It's, it's stagnant. And I'm working with my coach and we're talking about creativity. Maybe I'm working with my creative centers and my body and I'm doing some breath work there or some movement to activate there and somehow the relationship dynamic hasn't had a lot of profound change if I'm working with my coach they can highlight to me that but you have started these creative endeavors over here in your life in how you're parenting and how you do your business and how you create your physical space so you are enlivening this creative energy and connecting to it. And now you'll be able to in integrate that more into your relationship challenges or into this perceived stuckness. And so that perspective can be offered by a coach, right? And back, we're seeing it. Hey, you're not, you're not even aware that you, you are enlivening this over here. Because again, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, we project so much from the mind that we're like, well, here's my problem. The solution would be this, like my relationship will feel better. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's a temporary experience, right? Something feeling good or bad is always going to be temporary. What we want is we want more perspective, more resources to draw from more empowerment. And so that is going to express, and it's not usually not going to express at all the way that we projected it would look like. And, and that doesn't, you know, it doesn't take away from the success at all. I want to, I want to step back a second to your question, because I was just remembering and like for our listeners, you know, like Amanda and I, um, we, we have, the, we're colleagues, we're friends, right? We have the coaching relationship. She mentioned all these and, and as a, you know, having a friendly perspective before we started working together, I had heard her say to me how everybody wants to just tell me what to do with this important dilemma in my life. Like either you're either doing this or you're doing that, right? Which is it going to be? And it's like, however they're um, influencing you, however they're trying to come in and be supportive, it's like they're pushing you to one way or the other. And you told me that you were not interested in that being the question that's asked. And so when you asked me to work 
with you around this dynamic. And, and we started, I had that, I knew that was true for you. And, and how that translated for me was, um, I cannot wait to remind her that at, of all of her fullness, of all of her divinity, of all of her magic and her power separate from that dynamic. Because when she can own that, when she can reconnect to that, then the dynamics and the challenges begin to take care of themselves. I don't know if I like that phrase, but we begin to take care of them in a way that we couldn't have done before. And so that was the task that I felt was mine, was to remind you of that, because then I knew you would make the decisions that were aligned for you. And if I had started from a place of, well, I know what she needs to do, then I think we would have been really limited on our journey, you know, because it would have always been about me trying to get to where I think I'm right. (laughs) And, you know, and that may or may not work for you, but either way, it's not probably the ultimate expression of your medicine because that lives in you. Absolutely. I think that brings up a beautiful perspective of, or example how powerful coaching is. I didn't come to you for advice. I didn't come for you to tell me one way or another, or give me your opinions or direct me or guide me a certain way through the woods. I wanted you to help me not bump into the trees while I was walking through the woods on my own path. And I think that that is, that shows the power of coaching. It also shows the power of knowing knowing what the fuck you need. And I knew that I didn't need that. And I knew that that was like, that was me setting my intention on this journey of like, I don't really know what I need. Let me rephrase that. I don't really know what I need, but I know that I don't need that. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. And I think that 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 shows your power as a coach to, because we often as coaches, you and I know, We have people that come to us and they're like, my husband does this. My boyfriend does this. My job is this. My relationship is this. My partner does this. My kids do that. Like all external, right? This makes me feel like shit. This I don't want to participate in. This makes me lose my power. And it's all external. And our job as coaches is to bring them back home, right? Mm -hmm. What we talked about from the get-go, bring them back home. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with all of these external sources, doesn't mean that they, it's not taking away from them, right? These situations may be hard and they do suck, but you got to come back home. And that's mm-hmm. where the magic is. That's where the change happens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, um, it's interesting too, because if, if I'm starting from a place where, and I think we all probably do this a lot in our relationships. So, you know, like, let's pay attention here. Like, if I am with a loved one and I, I see their patterns, I see their choices and I'm like, what they're doing is wrong. And this would be better for them. And I'm, I'm stuck in that, like kind of circling back to what Eisen was saying, uh, the other day, it's like, literally when I'm with them, I'm connecting to their lack. And, and let me, let me make sure I'm clear about that. The lack lives in me and I'm, and I'm identifying it in them. Yeah. Right. But I'm not them. So I don't know if they feel lack or not. That's how I know that's mine. So I'm in my perception of lack. I see what they are not. I see what, what, what is missing, right? The void. That's my focal point. 
and I want to help from that place, what if I see that person as a, a um, I'm smiling because I have all these images, but um, I see their potentiality. I see their divinity. I see that they are, um, <laughs> they are just as sacred and holy to me as, as I am, as that, that tree is, as the moon is, right? As the most magical experiences I've had in my life, like all of that potential exists everywhere all of the time. So it becomes my, my responsibility to steward that. And so it's not that natural. It's not natural. And again, it always points back to like, who taught us to do this? No, people told us, like, depending on our upbringing, right? We're, I'm sure we have a diverse audience here, but like, I know for me, I was told exactly how to be good, yeah. right? From the church's perspective, from the teacher's perspective, from the parent's perspective, I knew what I needed to do, right? It was never about sourcing that from within. So now it, it makes sense, right? That we're always looking outside for someone to tell us. And also that we think other people need to hear it from us. So we missed, most of us missed the conditioning where someone said, look inside, go in, find your, find your answers right there. And so it's, um, we just really miss the mark when we are, when we are seeing someone in that way. And I think because it's so common, it feels important to point out, well, what do we do then? What do we do when we find ourselves always wanting to change someone that we, that we know we love, right? And I would say you go find that mirror. So whether it's a, you know, it's a person, right? A physical mirror. I'm sitting here. I actually have my mirror next to me and I've been doing um, a lot of mirror work lately, but it actually, right. You can look in that mirror. You can see parts of yourself that you, you may have been avoiding, right. Um, but either way you go and find what part of you needs that person to be different. And if you can give attention to that part of you, then I promise you, it will change the dynamic between you and them. And, and what passes between you, because now I'm not interacting with you from my lack. I went in and I tended to my lack. And now that feels more soothed for the time being, right? You got the whack-a-mole, like you said. The practice over and over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. That's and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, um, it gives me so much hope too, for love and like, um, you know, divine union is the, it, that's the, the catchphrase. It's so hot right now. And boy, I certainly don't want to learn about that. I don't want to outsource that information. So, uh, I don't want to learn about that from my dating. I don't want to learn about that from other couples or anything. I want to learn about how to, uh, source that from within and bring that to the world. And then match frequencies, right? Find the others who are doing the same and, and be there, you know, and model it for the world and, and share that energy in the world so that um, it can grow. Because uh, that's, what, that's what I believe one of the things that our planet really needs, right? Is our ability to be um, sovereign. Yeah. To, to be sovereign and to know love without outsourcing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I agree wholeheartedly. And I know when I came to you, I think it was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe into our first call. And I was like, I had a, oh shit moment where I was like, oh, 
she's gonna make me oh wait we're gonna have to we're gonna have to like flip <laughs> this coin oh wait no this isn't about the situational stuff this isn't about all the external stuff like she's gonna make this about me oh well, okay all right buckle my seatbelt. <laughs> right <Here we> go. <laughs> because you were both like put off by everybody trying to make you make the same decision that they wanted for you you were put off by it, but you also had learned to navigate it, right? Yes. It's what you were used to. So I like, I like to hear that reflection now. You're like, oh, now it's going to be different. Oh, here we go. She's going to make me see my shit. I am. <laughs> and there you have it. There's the beautiful Lindsay Ruder. Oh gosh. Yeah, when I came to her, I I had no idea what to expect. I just knew that I needed support. I knew that I wanted this journey to be different. I wanted to really feel and embody this this like inner strength that I knew that I had, but all of those external circumstances just weighed so heavily on me. And when I came to her, with that big ask, I knew that there was gonna be magic that came from that, from the energies that we shared together, from our calls, from her coaching guidance. And I knew she was the right person for the job, no matter how difficult it was going to be for me to face my shit and realize that sometimes we tell us, or tell, tell ourselves these stories and it's, that's just it, they're stories. And the real power lies within ourselves. And so she took me on that beautiful journey. Stay tuned for part two, where we talk a little bit more about that. I'm so excited. I hope you love her just as much as I do. And I hope you take the words of what she said today and really just like relish in them for the rest of your day and on this journey. And we'll see you next time for part two.